This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning to everybody out there. And how you doing on this great morning? It might be afternoon for you, depending on where you are. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Weber out here in Southern California in Los Angeles at 9 a.m. And uh, we're here for you. We're here for your pets. We're here to talk pets. Uh, Pet Life Radio's live call-in show, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors for allowing us to be here. That's more than a cone. Raising awareness of animal welfare through the arts. Also from Save This Life Microchip. And finally, Brevecto, 12-week protection for fleas and ticks, which, this, by the way, this time of year, you need a lot of protection for fleas and ticks because summertime is always at their heightened season. So uh, love to hear from you. A couple of ways to get a hold of us uh, live so you can call us, and that's uh, toll-free, 877-385-8882. Once again, write this number down, 877-385-8882. Better yet, better yet, you can join us here live on Google Hangouts. Just log on to PetLifeRadio.com. Scroll down to the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab. And if you follow the instructions, you will see a Google Hangout link. Click on the link and you can be here live with us. Just showing us, bring your, have your pet on your lap. If you're sitting on the couch, have your pet next to you. But we'd love to hear from you. And uh, my subject today, this is the good news, is that I get to talk about anything I want on the show. And sometimes it's pretty, sometimes it's not so pretty. And this is going to be about some emergency facilities, emergency hospitals. And are they overstepping their bounds? Are they doing more than they are supposed to as an emergency clinic? And we'll get into that in a minute. First, I just want to run down some great things on Smart Brief. Now, I go through AVMA, Smart Brief, and PetPav like every week just to see what's going on in the news. And if there's something here, if I strike a nerve with one of you, something you hear, we'd love to hear from you. So give us a call. Now, once again, 877-385-8882 or join us live on Google Hangouts. So this was a, a one that I like, and I, I see this. And this is something I'm going, to t- I'm going to take a quick back to a story. Years ago, there was an animal behavior expert. And I'm putting this in quotes there because that really bothers me. When these behaviorists that have no training are out there and they are making decisions. So this guy wants to adopt a Dalmatian and he goes to a shelter and adapts a really sweet Dalmatian, but he takes it because he hears stories and some of them are true. Dalmatians sometimes can be a little tough. And he, um, I mean, just think about any dog who's willing to ride on a fire truck with all the sirens. It's not all there. But anyway, he takes it to this behaviorist and does a few tests and says, no, this dog is going to bite. This dog is nasty. You need to put it to sleep. Whoa. So meanwhile, as he's telling this story, I'm literally being licked in the face. So, you know, one of the tests they do for aggression is they're supposed to roll the dogs over and see if do they tolerate this or not. Are they okay with being put on their back? Because it's a, it puts them in a position of submission. And if a dog really wants to be dominant, they will fight you like hell and don't want to be on their backs. So apparently there's a, a right way and a wrong way to do the test. So the, what the operator does and how the operator runs the test is so important. So sure enough, he throws the dog on the back. Now, you know, I have French bulldogs. I have dogs that, that are Labrador that are the best dogs ever. That right, Even they don't like to be picking up and thrown on their backs. So this dog fought and fought and tried to snap, and the guy makes his decision. P.S., I told him that's a crock of you-know-what and kept the dog. Dog turned out to be great. But we learned from this is there's so much about not only the test, what's done, that first of all, the dogs don't read the book. So they don't know how they're supposed to, and I put the how and the supposed to in capital letters, respond to certain behaviors. So this says that when evaluating shelter behavior tests, 
aggressive tests are not necessarily the final say. One of the things they do is, first of all, when you have a dog in, in a situation like that, that's in a run, a lot of other barking dogs, they're on a heightened awareness. The test is they put a fake hand in trying to grab the dog's food to test for food aggression and see, does the dog go after the hand? Well, in a situation like that with all these dogs, you betcha. I mean, my Labradoodle starts growling if someone comes near his food, right? So you got to understand that how the test is done, where it's done, what are the circumstances of the test, and is it the behavior something to be trained? The bottom line is some of these shelters are putting dogs to sleep that don't need to be put to sleep, and it's really, really sad. So uh, anyway, keep uh, your ears out when you hear about these aggressive tests. Make your own judgment sometimes, and uh, I think you'd be safer, and there are a lot more dogs that could be saved. This comes out of Vancouver, British Columbia, a, uh, the, uh, the Island Vet Hospital, took a dog in, a 14-year-old dog. The doctor's been practicing for close to 40 years. He said he's never seen so many fleas on a dog. This dog basically had 85% of its red blood cells depleted from the fleas. He took the dog in. They bathed. They gave medication to kill the fleas. They had to do a blood transfusion. They counted. You, you ready for this? Ready for this? Close to 100,000 fleas on this dog. So, just so you know, don't expect, you don't need to have 100,000 fleas to start seeing signs of anemia, especially in little puppies. So when you see little puppies that are coming in or you have one and it's covered in fleas, just know that yes, fleas can cause anemia. They can be such avid bloodsuckers that they can cause problems. Also, a quick story, which I'm sure all of you know, because you're all pet lovers and pet owners out there or pet parents, call yourselves what you'd like, but pet parenting is not free. And uh, you, you have to put money aside. Either you're going to open up a savings account in your pet's name and make a deposit every month religiously in lieu of insurance or get yourself pet insurance, something. But there are going to be expenses. On average, the ASPCA says that for a small dog, a pet parent owners should expect to spend about $1,000 a year on pet food, pet care, et cetera. And for a larger breed, 1500 So just know that if you, you know, if really it's one of the situations where you just can't get a, a pet to a, um, you're going to need some money set aside. If you can't afford to have a pet, as much as I would love you to say, yes, have a pet, but make sure you can uh, take good care of them as well. Oh, remember, I think it was a week or two ago, I talked about a dog from Washington, D.C. that had rabies, right? Right. Guess what? It didn't have rabies. They did some other testing and found out, no, this dog did not have rabies. So anyone in D.C. area who thought they may have been exposed to this dog, not to worry. And, uh, oh, another story, again, we talked about this a zillion times. You know, I'm very an advocate of vaccines, but I'm also an advocate of not over-vaccinating. And I just want to reiterate that, yes, vaccines are necessary. We're seeing a rise of certain diseases because people aren't vaccinating. And I'm okay with not giving a vaccine if, if, A, the dog doesn't need it. And you can tell that through a titer test, as I do at my practice with distempered parvo. Or a disease that's just not prevalent in your area. I'm not going to give a dog in Los Angeles a Lyme disease vaccine or a dog that never goes hiking a rattlesnake vaccine. So pick and choose your vaccines. Know your core vaccines in your area. Those are the basic vaccines that every dog is subjected to. That all the other vaccines, talk to your veterinarian, see what are the likelihood potentials of having or getting this disease and make your decision that way. By the way, speaking of vaccines, a case of panleukopenia in a little kitten in Massachusetts. We don't see panleukopenia very often, and it's highly contagious to other cats through bodily fluids, so, you know, saliva, thing, grooming each other, etc. So just know, very important to get that FVRCP, that feline vaccine for rhinocalisi, panleukopenia pneumonitis and on your cats. It's very important. This is really cute. I think I may want to save this one, but these are funny state laws that are still on books. For example, you know that you're not, animals can't mate within 500 feet of a tavern or school or a church. Go ahead and try to stop them. 
Um, in California, you can't feed wild animals. That includes birds and squirrels, right? Because they're fear that they're going to keep coming back, which they may. Oh, yeah, it's also illegal in California to possess bird feathers. So any of you artists out there that like writing with a quill, like a real feather quill, be careful. They could fine you up to $10,000. Also, as we know in California, no ferrets because they may destroy the environment and they also outcompete or eat some other species that are indigenous to California and like prairie dogs, fish, and birds. So you have a ferret in California. It used to be we would be fine. Veterinarians treating ferrets would be fine. Now they kind of changed it. No, we're allowed to treat them because that's our job. We take an oath that we have to help animals. But the owner could be fined up to a thousand bucks. And oh yeah, also in California, one last thing. Now don't do this, folks. Don't shoot an animal from a moving vehicle because if you do, besides you have to be examined because why would you shoot an animal? But anyway. No, from a moving vehicle. That, that's where the fine comes in. It doesn't say you can't shoot, just shoot an animal, but from a moving vehicle. These are still on the books. It's crazy. And just so you know, before we uh, soon to take a break, but in Illinois, just so you know, you cannot legally serve whiskey to a dog. So any of you who are thinking of having your dogs drink your top shelf single malt, you may not do that if you live in Illinois. And don't give a lighted cigar, all right, or take the dog to an opera. So those are things you can't do in Illinois. Don't give your dog cigars or drink whiskey with them, and you cannot go to the opera. So uh, isn't that funny that some of these things are still in Tennessee? You can catch a fish by a rod and a reel and all that stuff, but you can't catch a fish by spearing it or wrestling it. So no more wrestling those fish. And one more thing you can't do in Tennessee is you can't use mind control to catch a fish. Now, so I don't know whoever is talented enough to do that. Just know if you do it in Tennessee, you could be fine. Uh, here's one. Here's a really good one. In West Virginia, it's okay to eat your roadkill. So for those of you who are driving along the highway in West Virginia and see that splattered animal, you can stop, pick it up and eat it. Why you'd want to, that's a different story, but you can. And um, in Virginia, you cannot hunt on Sundays. No hunting on Sundays. For those of you who want to hunt, you can't hunt on Sundays. You should not hunt Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday anyway, but no hunting on Sundays, except for raccoons. Raccoons, you can hunt any day of the week. And this is the, I'll give you one last one because this is funny. In Alaska, you cannot take a moose on a plane and push it out during flight. Now, I'm sure some of you may know, first of all, how are you going to get a moose on a plane? First of all, by their sheer size, by the fact that they are very aggressive. You don't want to mess with the moose. And so to destroy it, I guess you cannot, you can do many things if you want to in Alaska, but you can take it on a plane and push it out of the plane in flight. So uh, keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, as we go into our break. When we come back, I want to hear from you. If any of these strike a nerve, all right, or if you heard of any other kind of weird state laws about animals, I would love to hear them because I think this is actually rather comical. That, And not only that, I don't know how often some of the state legislators meet and they go through these laws again and again, but these are laws that are still on the books. So that's pretty insane. So anyway, don't go away. We're halfway through the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about emergencies. I want to hear about some of your emergencies. I'm going to share a story with you that just happened to me the other night, as my emergency call came in from a client at 3 a.m., and I have to tell you, I was shocked. And this is going on, trust me, this is going on in your communities with your emergency centers, and I'm not going to say all, but I'm going to say the majority. I'm going to actually stand on my soapbox right here and say the majority of emergency centers are doing this, and I think you need to know about it. Don't go away, but right back after these short words. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. 
You know that feeling when you go to clean the litter box and it's a complete disaster? Yeah, we've got you covered. Introducing World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the advanced litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. Zero Mess combines the concentrated power of corn with super-absorbent plant fibers. Translation, scoop once and you're done. Find it at a pet store near you and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. As a dog, I know a lot about fleas and ticks. So trust me when I say no other tasty chew protects dogs as long as Brevecto. One Brevecto chew keeps fleas and ticks away for up to 12 weeks. Be a good human and ask your vet about Brevecto. Brevecto may cause vomiting. Retrievers, Labradors, Goldens are the main breeds that come through our door, but we'll train anything with four legs and a tail. My husband and I own a kennel. We train hunting dogs and also have a boarding and grooming business. Our dogs, they're athletes, and we feed them very quality food. You can't get enzymes in a commercial dog food because they cook it at such a high heat that so much important nutrition is just cooked right out of it. But adding Dynavite to their diet has every single dog in my kennel looking better than they have ever looked. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is nutrition. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E. <laughs> Dynavite's the bomb. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio dot com. <laughs> Welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff. I just want to go ahead and quickly undo my phone here as that it, uh, it's sort of being a bother. Anyway, here's the situation. Here's the scenario. And I, mind you, as some of you know, I do a lot of lecturing to veterinarians. And this is one of those things that has bothered me for years. And um, I'll give you some basic details. First of all, emergencies. Many, many practices. I wouldn't maybe even venture to say most. Small, you know, general, small animal practices. Hoardings in the evening after they close, basically saying, hi, thanks for calling XYZ Animal Hospital. Our office is now closed. If you have an emergency, please take your pet to or call this following number, basically the emergency center or centers we use, et cetera. And that's pretty normal. I never liked that. First of all, I've never trusted them. And I'm talking, you know, I'm 34th year into my practice. And um, so I have one of the dinosaurs, literally, that I take my phone calls. I used to walk around with a pager. In fact, sometimes I still do. And people make fun of it. Um, of course, I have my phone. And uh, I take calls at all hours of the night, 24-7, uh, 365 days a year. And that's just me. And the reason is, is that 80% of emergencies aren't. And I get nervous because, interestingly, a lot of emergency facilities are actually, the night shifts at emergency facilities are not always manned by board-certified emergency medicine critical care physicians, all right? There is actually a board certification in emergency medicine and critical care, and they're manned by young students, young graduates who literally, literally graduated in May or June the year prior to the time they're sitting in that clinic. And quite frankly, working with young veterinarians, which I love to do and I love to mentor, I just don't trust them. 
because they are so afraid that they are going to make a mistake. They test, they overtreat because heaven forbid they should actually get a good history and do a good physical. And by doing so, you can rule out half to three quarters of the possibilities right off the bat. Anyway, so not only that, it always, it, to me, it's, it's good goodwill. I mean, uh, my clients really know that they can get a hold of me anytime. So I certainly get a frantic call uh, a couple of nights ago, well, morning, early morning, 3 a.m. And the, my client is, is in tears because her cat, which is a diabetic cat, had a seizure and she rushed him to one of the emergency facilities in our area. It's called Access. I am not a huge fan. And I'll tell you what, first of all, this is not the first time I've had issues with this particular emergency facility. By the way, they do have some board-certified clinicians on staff. I don't think in the middle of the night, but they do have them on staff. And what's happening to a lot of emergency clinics, it's no longer just emergency clinics. They are emergency and critical care facilities or specialty clinics. So in the clinic, they just don't. So they're open 24-7 now. Used to be emergency clinics were opened when every other, the basic hospitals were closed from, say, 7 or 6 p.m. until 8 a.m. the next morning. You had to come and pick up your pets by 8 a.m. and transfer them to your regular veterinarian. But now these facilities are emergency medicine and critical care and specialty groups. So they have a vast array of specialty um, clinicians in all different areas, surgeons and neurologists and dentists and, and internal medicine specialists and, of course, emergency. So the philosophy of these clinics has changed. The good old-fashioned emergency hospital that just does emergency from 6 p.m. to, to 8 a.m. the next morning, that is becoming obsolete. And therein lies the problem. So let me give you a little background of cats with diabetes. Cats with diabetes typically get type 2 diabetes, which means this is sometimes, it's not insulin dependent. Now, we, sometimes we have to give insulin, but there are ways to manage these cats without. And another thing about cats with type 2 diabetes, it can reverse. And we've had many cats over the years that had to be on insulin initially, and then we were able to wean off the insulin. And once they stabilize, just get them on a good diet and sometimes an oral anti-gluconeogenic agent that will stop the production of excess glucose and the sugar in the blood, and they do just fine without, without the insulin. Now, any of you out there that are diabetics or know anything about diabetes, uh, there is a danger with high blood sugar, but there's also a danger when it drops too low, meaning that if you have a pet that gets its insulin and then doesn't eat, or a pet that's getting insulin and doesn't need it anymore. I mean, you've heard stories of people, these wacko nurses in nursing homes that are killing off the old patients because they fear that they're just suffering, taking it upon themselves. How are they doing it? They're giving them shots of insulin. It drops their blood sugar and they die. So a lot can happen when you are hypoglycemic as well. So this cat, uh, apparently a week before, or maybe 10 days before this incident, had another incident where it wasn't so bad, but it was just kind of shaking. It was kind of off balance a little bit. All right. And then, but the cat pulled out of it probably because it ate. And then the other night, in the middle, in the middle of the morning, the cat had this major, major problem. Now, interestingly, the, this particular woman was giving insulin twice a day at 11 p.m. and 11 a.m. So if you give an insulin at 11 p.m. and all of a sudden at 3 a.m., you have this reaction. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to know that the first thought with a cat with type 2 diabetes is probably this cat was hypoglycemic. Anyway, takes it to this facility. This doctor, they wouldn't give me her name because I ended up calling because I was ready to blow a fuse. I actually did blow a fuse, but I was re ready to share that with the, the staff there. And um, this girl calls me in tears. Why? 
because they wanted to keep the cat, hospitalize the cat, and do a full neuro workup, neurology workup. We're talking MRIs and everything for $4,000 for the first two days. I'm going, what? What? Wait a second. If it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. You have a cat that's been given insulin. It's a type 2 diabetic. It may not need insulin anymore. It happened four hours after the insulin shot. How about the first thing you do is take a blood sugar test? And if this cat is hypoglycemic, give it a little sugar, right? And give it some fluid supportive care and send it to your regular veterinarian the next day. Back in the old days, 8 a.m. they close. You got to take it to your vet. Instead, these facilities are ripping you off and they're taking advantage and they are doing that, which is often unnecessary. And they're leaving you, the doctors kind of thing, the doctors out of their equation and ripping you off. So oftentimes I get calls and, and I get a letter, a referral letter from these places. I'm going, wait, wait a second. How did this, ha- how did this animal end up at an emergency facility, have all this work done? And I was never consulted as the, as the head veterinarian, as the pet's own veterinarian. So it's unscrupulous practices. It is frustrating as all hell. So my bottom line is this cat, the only problem it had was it was getting too much insulin. And that's why this cat had this problem. This was not something, it wasn't neuro. It didn't need to have $4,000 worth of workup. And listen to this, when I told her on the phone, you know what, just tell the doctor, all I want right now is a blood sugar test and give it some fluids if needed with some, with some sugar, you know, some dextrose. That's it. And then you bring it to us first thing in the morning. And guess what? Guess what? This is how much these doctors care. They refused. They refused to do anything, basically saying, we don't want responsibility. It's either we're going to do it all or do nothing. And I said, you know something? Have them do nothing. I gave them the name of another emergency. But first of all, by this time, guess what? The cat was stabilized. The cat was doing much better. So I said, that's all it was. I mean, if there was a major neuro problem, neurologic problem, okay? And this is one of the questions I asked. Between the time the cat had its last incident and now, how was the cat doing? She goes, the cat was doing fine. Well, my point is, it's unlikely that you're going to have a cat with a major neurologic problem that is going to be just fine for two weeks, all right? So there is something that's instigating these episodes. And what is she doing often? She's giving a, a diabetic cat insulin, which it may not need anymore. So the fact that this cat was doing fine it's, it just doesn't rule out a neurologic problem, but man, it puts it way down that list. Certainly nothing you're going to start your diagnostics with. You're going to start your diagnostics with the most obvious thing. And in this case, it was a simple blood sugar test. How tough is that? So they are these doctors, and I'm going to say it because I can't. They do not know what they're doing. I don't trust them. They're often young doctors. And I said, I have young doctors in my practice, and I am shocked at what they come out of school doing. And boy, they really need mentoring. They need to work with a seasoned practitioner. It's often what I say is there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. And what is missing between knowledge and wisdom? What does wisdom have that knowledge doesn't? And the answer is simple, experience. And if you have knowledge without experience, you are not wise. You may know things, but you are not wise. And to treat an animal properly, you need to have wisdom. Anyway, Be careful out there. Talk to your veterinarians. I always advocate for veterinarians. At least take calls up to midnight. Take a a page or change your message. Say, look, if you have an emergency, call this number and give your phone away just to midnight. Why? Because 80% of emergencies usually happen before midnight. So at least you'll save those people. Talk to them. People just want to get on the phone, talk to a live person, tell them what's going on. 
find out, is this really an emergency or not? Can it wait till the morning? Is there anything I can do in the meantime until morning? And there are tons of suggestions that, that can be given that can save you from having to go to these places and get ripped off. And I challenge any emergency room doc owner out there who hears this and doesn't like it, they can call me directly. They can easily get a hold of me. That's drjeff at petliferadio.com. And I would love to talk to them. Anyway, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening to my rants and my raves. I'm trying to help you out there. I'm trying to help your pets. I'm trying to save you money and don't have unnecessary tests done on your pets, just like you wouldn't want unnecessary tests done on you. And uh, so thanks again to our sponsors, More Than a Cone, Save This Life Microchip, Bravecto, Flea and Tick. And uh, we will be here hopefully next week. I'm traveling next week. So um, I'm not sure, 100% sure if I will be here live to join you, but you will hear me. And uh, But for sure, we'll see, be back in two weeks, if not next week. All right, have a great week or two, everyone. And thanks for joining in. See you soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts and guests and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other hosts or advertisers on the Pet Life Radio Network.